The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, we're going to be in Psalm again, Psalm chapter 5, as we are continuing through. I don't necessarily intend just to walk through verse by verse through all of Psalms, uh, but I am going chapter by chapter as God gives uh, freedom and God gives direction. And personally, I've been enjoying this and, and the study itself. And, and the study we'll look at today is no different. So we're going to look at the first half of Psalm chapter 5 this morning. The Bible says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry and my, my King and my God. For, thou, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and, lo- and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil, evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing or speak lies, and the Lord will abhor the bloody and the deceitful man. But as for me... I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. When we look at this, really what's happening is there's two sections to these first seven verses. And really, you can kind of take Psalm 5 and break it up into two sections. And so we're doing that. And we're going to take these next few minutes and look at the first seven verses. And really, in these, you can break that into two thoughts. He starts off with prayer. Please remember that David is still um, really struggling with those enemies out to get him. And so you have to keep that in mind that he is an, he's oppressed, he's frustrated, and, and he's begging God for help and mercy and for him to deal with his enemies in the midst of this time. And, and, we, and, and while we don't, many of us don't have enemies per se, we do have circumstances and things that our enemy, Satan, is using against us. Uh, can become very easily frustrating. Uh, we can feel overwhelmed, as we know Satan is an enemy trying to get us, and, and yet sometimes our circumstances and things outside of our control can feel like enemies to us. And so while we may not have specific enemies out to get us outside of Satan, we can easily see the implication of this in our practical life in the year of all the things outside our control when we look at some things. So these first few verses really talk about David's prayer, the heart of his prayer. So let's break down a few things from these verses. He, he says in verse 1, we look at two different aspects of his prayer. He says, give ears to my words, O Lord, and then consider my meditation. Now please hope we understand that prayer itself is a whole lot more than just the words. Really, prayer is my spirit speaking to his spirit. It's me communing with him, and, and words are really there. They're there to help express our thought. They're there to help us commune effectively. That's how we, as humans, communicate with each other mostly. Obviously, nonverbal is a different, but you understand the premise. That's how we use a communication today. And so, but he talks about two. He said, Lord, there are my words. Please give ear. And I love how the fact he says, give ear, do not ignore. Do not tick light. Do, do not ignore what I'm saying. And he really simply what he's saying is, I'm begging you, Lord, to please listen to the words that I am saying. Not that God wouldn't, not that God is indifferent to it. It is just David expressing the importance and the, and the, the need that is behind this prayer. But he states, 
It's more than just please listen to my words. He states the second part of the prayer and he says, consider them my meditation. So consider, take word into, here's the best way to, I can put it. Lord, listen to the words that I'm saying. And in the areas where my words fall short and do not truly express the need, please recognize the meditation. When my words do not express enough gratitude, please recognize my meditation. When my words do not express all that's really going on, when, when I fail to be able to, through my words, express my concern, my, my, my fear, my frustration, and my gratitude to you, please look deeper in and recognize the meditation. The things that sometimes we are so overwhelmed with, uh, with, the, with the events of the day. With him, it's with um, our enemies, with us, it could be all the battles going on. Uh, that we can be so overwhelmed that we just don't even know how to pray. The Bible says in those times, the Spirit speaks expressly for me. The Spirit prays in my behalf. When there's times that for whatever reason, I am just unable to speak. Words do not express. I think we've all been there at some point where we are so overwhelmed either with gratefulness and worship to God for all that he's done for us and for who he is. We just can't express it rightfully. Or we're so overwhelmed with all the things in our life that we're begging God and we just don't even know how to express the need. He says, please dig down and see my heart. See what's really going on. And David is saying, all of that's going on in my life. You know my name, Father, but so many things that, hey, I hope you see really what's going on in my life. Let's go to verse two. He says, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. Notice he says in the voice of my cry. He says, listen, it is so overwhelming what I'm going to, I will cry. We know more than one time in scripture that Prophets and men of old and women of old were, were known to cry out to the Lord. In many occasions, not even necessarily in words, they just cried. And literally, he's fully bringing the emotion of his situation to God. And he says, I cry. I cry due to my emotion. I cry due to the, the desire of what I want you to do. And he's really talking about the fervency of prayer here. He said, the Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's found in the New Testament. And so we see that here. We're seeing that effectual fervent prayer working out in communion with God. And he says, hear my word, hear my meditation. But yeah, Lord, I will continue to cry to you and I will just express. I love this. He said, Lord, I'm sorry, in verse two, he continues, he says, friend to thee, while I pray, not into anyone else. I won't, I won't place my trust in other people. I won't place my trust in other circumstances and the government, things of that name. Lord, into thee is the only one that I will pray. Then he says in verse three, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. He says, I'm going to continue to come. He says in the morning, he says, simply because this is going to be important, it's going to be something I'm going to begin. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be consumed with the events of the day. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm, I'm going to bring it to you before I go. I'm going to bring it to you as, as the important thing. And we do often the things in the morning that are most important to us as we plan our day out. And he says, I will do that in the morning. Well, I don't believe it's necessarily command. I understand the impertinent and the, the pertinence of this, that I find it so important that I will begin my day and I will make it a priority and I will come to you even in the morning. He says, O oh Lord, in the morning, catch this, I will direct my prayer unto thee. My prayer unto, I, unto thee, O oh Lord. But he says, and will look up. You can actually say you will look out. Simply that last phrase is, I will pray to you and then I will be aware and be looking for your answer. I will look up, I will look out, I will look 
to the answer. Lord, I'm going to pray and I believe my prayer to be effective because of whom I'm praying to. And so because of that, I believe that you are so powerful and so willing and desirous to do what it is that I'm asking that as I pray, I beg you to do something and then I will look for it. That is anticipation in prayer. He said that I know you want to, and now I'm anticipating you to do something. And when you're right with God and you've come to God in prayer and you're begging him and that effectual, fervent prayer is what you're doing, he says, in that, now I will look for answers. I will expect you to do Lord, well, only you can do. That is exactly what it is that we should be doing in our prayer. That is, that is the voice of somebody who understands the power of prayer, understands the need of prayer, and he says, in prayer, I will see. Let's look at the next couple of verses, because now in prayer, he kind of goes away from prayer to help him to, Lord, deal with my enemies in the second part of this prayer. He says, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. He says, listen, You know I'm right where I stand. You know those coming at me are evil. And I come to you acknowledging that you do not, you cannot withstand wickedness. You do not ignore this. This wickedness that comes at me is real. This wickedness that comes at me, I know because I know you. I know your character and I know how much you hate wickedness. And therefore, this cannot stand. So I plead with you, Lord, do not ignore the wickedness. Do not ignore what is taking place. Please, Father, do something about it. But can I tell you, he takes a couple steps further in passages that frankly really make us to consider how God views this. He goes on to verse six. He says, thou shalt destroy them. Um, actually, I'm, let me skip a verse. Verse five, the, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. I, this is amazing to me. He says, you cannot handle the, the evil, the wickedness. But he says, the foolish, these, these, those workers of iniquity, those coming against me, those who are the acts of sin. Please understand, we're all sinners. He's not referring to that. We all struggle with sin. He's not referring to that. He says, these are ones that are actively out, no matter how, many, no matter how much truth they have, no matter how much God desires to get them to change their way, no matter how much God has spoken to them. They refuse to follow. They refuse to change. They are workers, constant workers of iniquity. And he says, thou... Um, that thou art not the God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. Verse 5, the foolish will not stand in thy sight. You will not let them go. Thou hatest, catch this, the workers of iniquity. You know, I've had the phrase years, and I still believe this, that God hates the sin and loves the sinner. I believe that, and I believe in general that's true. When people come and, and they're, they're, they're struggling, they want to seek Jesus, but their sin holds them back, or at least they feel like it does, understand that God does not look upon them for their sin. God wants them to be saved and move forward. But now we get down to people. We're talking of people who constantly choose the sin. And he says, those who will not change, those who will not come to God, those who will not ask for forgiveness, he hates even them. That's a really strong thing. And please remember, this is not David's opinion. This is inspired by God. You hate even them. He goes on further to verse 6. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing or that lie. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. I'm telling you, this is strong. He says, Lord, do to my enemies this, because I know that's your character. I'll tell you, he drives us to be right. And he goes back to what he did a few verses early in a different chapter, and he talks about the two directions you can go. Then he says the direction he will go in verse 7. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy hill. You know he's saying in verse 7, there is mercy. 
there is an answer. And he, he just gives us an idea that the people in these verses prior, they might, they might even know the truth. They, they know what your word says or the truth of it, but they are choosing to go against it, choosing to go wrong. He says, but I will choose the right path. He goes back and he clearly distinguishes there are two directions here, the right way and the wrong way. These, these workers of iniquity are doing wrong, deal with them. But as for me, I will choose the right path, which means everyone has a choice and everyone can choose one of these two paths. Which one will we choose? I'll tell you, this prayer is strong. And what I learned from this, one, there's a prayer, the fervency of the prayer, but then there's the specific nature of the prayer. God, please deal with this. Now, I don't think we get down and we beg God to hurt the people we don't like because there's a difference between somebody we're not right with and someone who's our enemy. There's a difference between somebody who, yeah, we got to reconcile with or I'm a little offended by and someone who's our enemy. Please understand the term enemy is a very strong term. So we got to be careful with that. But we can come to God in fervency. And if we have somebody who's truly an enemy, we can follow the, the qualifications here. That God does not ignore wickedness. We simply, here's the point, God, I give them to you. And I beg you to do what you will with them. I want them to be reconciled. Our redemption is the work of Jesus. That's what he wants. But when people choose to refuse that redemption, then we see God will act. And I plead with you to, not, to, to make the right decision. Be like, they, be like David and said, I will come into your house of mercy. I will accept it. I will love you and I will accept what, you do for, what you've done for me and what you want to do through me and, and in me. And may we we'll be willing to accept that, starting in salvation and then every part of our life, accepting his mercy and grace. Well, thanks for uh, working with us this week. Things have been a little different in these devotionals, and I hope everything's worked for you. Is that, frankly, I won't know. I'm going to be on our vacation enjoying our time, and uh, we'll get back and we'll find out how everything has worked, and hopefully, hopefully it has all worked well, and all the technology did what it was supposed to. We hope it worked for you. Uh, thanks for taking time. Next week, we'll be right back to where you've been, and we look forward to the great time of study together. We love you. Thanks for just allowing us to be part of your life this week, and we look forward to picking up here next month.